Okay, if you would turn with me to our text again tonight, found in Judges chapter 14. Judges chapter 14. <clears throat> Let me tell you again what you already know. False teaching and false doctrine, false religion is a capable counterfeit of the truth. How, how do I know that? Well, the scripture says, for if it were possible, but it's not, it would deceive even the very elect. That's from the mouth of the Lord himself. He said, for false Christ and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. Now, what do false prophets and false Christ do? They teach false doctrines. They show false signs and false wonders. And why? To seduce and deceive. Now, both those words, both words for seduce and deceive in the Greek mean the very same thing. They mean to lead astray. And in the scriptures, a great deal is said about these seducers and deceivers. They use Bible language as their speech. They often are sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. They have a form of godliness. That word form means an appearance of godliness, and they, but they deny the power thereof. They deny the power of God in the salvation of sin. Paul told Timothy, from such turn away. Have no fellowship with them. Withdraw, withdraw from them. Come out from among them. And such as these are students of the Scriptures. They are ever and always learning the Bible says, but they never come to the knowledge of the truth. They search the scriptures and in them, they think that they have life, but the scriptures testify of Christ. And if you don't see Christ in the scriptures, then you've missed life. And the, these who search the scriptures think, thinking that they have life will not come to Christ so that they might have life. And the Lord went on to say, but I know you that you have not the love of God in you. And the Lord continued and said, if one comes in his own name, him you will receive. But if I come in my father's name, you, you won't receive me. You won't believe me. And it's only in Christ that we have life. And if you don't see Christ, to whom the scriptures point and testify, and trust in him alone to put your sin away, you'll perish. And that's just how serious this is. He that hath the Son hath life. I, I love the simplicity of the scriptures. There's not anyone here that doesn't understand that. He that has Christ has life. And he that hath not the Son hath not life. So we see very clearly that Jesus Christ is eternal life. And John 17, 3, that is such a simple verse of Scripture, so clear and plain. And this is life eternal, 
He's fixing to tell us what life eternal is, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Well, don't I have to know the history of, of the scriptures? No, you have to know Christ. Don't I have to know the, the Greek and the Hebrew language? No, you have to know Christ. That's life. And I often wonder, why do men go about to establish their own righteousness when we don't have any? Well, first, Paul tells us they're ignorant of God's righteousness and they go about to establish their own. And secondly, they have not submitted to the righteousness of God. You see, Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God. And there's no righteousness that God will accept apart from His perfect righteousness. And for that very reason, it's perfect. God won't accept anything less than perfection. We know these things. And the reason men trust in a supposed righteousness that they possess is because they profess to know what righteousness is. They uh, profess that they themselves have it, but they're ignorant. They're ignorant. They're ignorant of the righteousness of Christ that God has provided as the only means of acceptance. And you know, the threat of judgment has never saved a soul. I can remember as a young boy growing up in in the Baptist church, they'd show these films on hell and scare the hell out of you. But it never saved a soul. Uh, you can threaten a man with the fire of hell and it won't change his mind about what he feels he has to offer God. He'll keep right on offering up his own righteousness to the Lord. Lord, haven't we? Haven't we? Look what we've done. But it's the love of Christ that constrains us. I don't understand that, but that's what it is. It's the goodness of God that leads sinners to repentance. And this is something that men and women by nature know nothing about. Just like Adam and Eve, after they sinned, after sin came into the world, every man and woman by nature uh, only knows about covering themselves with a work of their own hands. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They hid from God and they sold fig leaves together to cover themselves. Well, that's not going to do it because blood has to be shed and God covered them. God killed and, and provided the skins to cover them. Blood has to be shed. It has to be. God won't accept it has to be uh, without the shedding of blood. There's no remission of sin, no covering of sin. And uh, men are ignorant of the only righteousness that God will accept. And it's a great mystery that has to be revealed to folks. You and I did the same thing. I, I'm not speaking for you. Some of you may not have grown up in religion, but I did. And... Um, until God intervened and revealed these things to me, I would have just kept right on doing the best I could all the way to hell. Now, like Samson's riddle, we looked at it a bit last week. It's a great secret that only the righteous judge knows. And it's only revealed to whosoever he will reveal it to. 
And that's what our Lord said. He said, all things are delivered unto me of my father. And no man knoweth the son, but the father and no man knoweth the father saved the son and he to whomsoever the son will reveal him. So we see right there from that verse that we'll never see these things if God doesn't reveal them to us. And that's what we see in our study tonight. Now in our last study, we saw that when Samson returned to take this woman to be his wife, he saw that carcass of the lion that he had slain with his own hands and he saw the swarm of bees and the honey in the carcass of the lion, according to verse 8. And he partook of the honey, and then you remember he gave it to his mother and father, and they did eat, but he didn't tell them where it came from. You see, this was Samson's secret. It was a mystery to his mother and father. They partook of it. They enjoyed the sweetness of it, the nourishment of it, but they didn't know how it came about. Now look at verse 10. So his father, Manoah, went down unto the woman and Samson made there a feast for so used the young man to do. Now it was a custom for the bridegroom's father to prepare a marriage feast and Manoah undoubtedly did so with the help of some young men that he hired to, to help. And then in verse 11 we read, and it came to pass when they saw him, that they brought 30 companions to be with him. These men, these so-called companions, were often referred to as friends of the bridegroom. The Lord talked about that uh, some in the New Testament, about the friends of the bridegroom. But as we'll see, these weren't Samson's friends at all. These so-called friends were supposed to guard the bridegroom but these 30 men were actually there uh, not to guard Samson, but to be on guard against him. And look at verse 12. And Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you, and if you can certainly declare it me within the seven days of the feast and find it out, then I'll give you 30 sheets and 30 change of garments. The word sheets there simply means shirts. Uh, in other words, I'll... I'll clothe you with a, a complete outfit, so to speak. But if you cannot declare it to me, then you shall give me 30 sheets and 30 chains of garments. And they said unto him, put forth thy riddle that we may hear it. Now, in reading many of the old writers, there's some debate here about uh, whether Samson introduced this riddle simply to entertain these, these fellows. Uh, Matthew Henry and John Gill said that he, that's why he did it, to entertain them. You know, it was something to do during the feast and it was a, a game, so to speak. But ultimately, it was the will and purpose of God. You know, all things ultimately are, whatever comes to pass. And according to verse four, it was because the Lord sought occasion against the Philistines to destroy them. And that's exactly what came to pass. And, according to verse 19. This riddle was given for the result that it produced. Everything that God providentially does is according to the result that it produces. Providence, as we've often said, is God working out in time what He purposed in eternity. Verse 14, And He, Samson, said unto them, Here's the riddle. Out of the eater came forth meat, 
and out of the strong came forth sweetness, and they could not in three days expound the riddle. Now, in verses 12 through 14, we're given the riddle and we're given the wager. And if these 30 men could solve the riddle in the seven days of the feast, Samson would provide for them a change of garments. But if they couldn't solve the riddle within the seven days, they would have to give him their garments, leaving them naked without a covering. And after three days, these men were stumped. So in verse 15, we, we see something here of the sin and the wickedness and the evil nature of men by nature and the deceitfulness of false religion. Look at it. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they said unto Samson's wife, Entice thy husband that he may declare unto us the riddle, lest we burn thee and thy father's house with fire. Have you called us to take that we have? Is it not so? And what they're saying here is this. Did you invite us to your wedding just to take from us? Is it not so? That's what evil men think of the gospel, which is compared to a wedding feast. Are, are you going to strip us of our righteousness? Are you saying that, that what we do and what we've done and what we have to offer God is of no value? Are you going to take from us that which we have to offer God? While well, we wore our own wedding garments, and you're going to let this Samson take them from us? That's what men accuse Christ of. They accuse him of stripping them of their righteousness, their clothing. And this is where men are ignorant because they think that their filthy rags will suffice. <laughs> and they're not only ignorant, but willingly so. God has left them to themselves and he hasn't divinely intervened with his revelation to the mystery, the riddle of the gospel. The gospel is a great mystery. And the only reason you know it and the only reason I know it is because God has revealed it to us. Now, our Lord said to his chosen 12 in Mark chapter 4, he said, unto you is given, revealed, to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. That seeing they may see and not perceive and hearing they may hear. Now, the reason was their hearts were wax gross. The Lord went on to tell us that. Their eyes were their ears were dull of hearing. Their eyes, they had themselves clothed. They hated the thought of salvation being of the Lord alone. Men still hate that. They wanted to add something to Christ's finished work. Men still want to do that. Like I've said before, it'd be like me going to one of these museums uh, and, and taking out a crayon and, and going up to the Mona Lisa or some great work and say, ah, I'm going to doctor this up a little bit. <laughs> well, uh, well, it would not only take away from the, the finished brilliance of the masterpiece, it would be a criminal act and I'd be in jail for doing it. Paul told the church at Rome, for I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits. And that's the problem with men today. They're wise in their own conceits. 
Why? To think that we could offer God something that He'd accept. How conceited man is to think that he can provide a righteousness that's perfect. That perfect covering that God will accept above the perfect righteousness that the Lord Jesus wrought and gave to us by the shedding of His precious blood. We read it a moment ago, now to Him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. That's talking about the gospel. That gospel that is revealed, that gospel that's made known to us. And Christ is the gospel. The revelation of the mystery that's kept secret. And you know, there are three lies, you know this, we've talked about this many times, there are three lies that dominate the teaching of false religion today. Uh, a dedicated student of Scripture knows that these three things are contrary to what God's Word teaches. God loves everyone, that's the first one. Christ died for everyone, that's the second and thirdly, man's salvation is contingent on the exercise of his own free will. And they'll use verses. They'll use scriptural language. They'll use verses to prove these things or to try to prove them. Look at verse 16. And Samson's wife wept before him and said, Thou dost but hate me and lovest me not. Thou hast put forth a riddle unto the children of my people and hast not told it me. And he said unto her, Behold, I've not told it my father or my mother. And shall I tell it thee? And she wept before him the seven days. While their feast lasted, and it came to pass on the seventh day that he told her, now, ladies, I don't mean to offend you here, but she wore him down. <laughs> she, because she, it says because she lay sore upon him, and she told the riddle to the he, and she told the riddle to the children or people. What, what a picture here we have of the, the religion of men. Here they get the answer to the riddle. They get an answer to the mystery, without understanding at all the meaning of it. Many in our day say that salvation's of the Lord, but they have no understanding in the very least as to what the Lord did to accomplish it. There's a life and death difference in knowing about Christ and actually knowing Christ. You can know a lot of things about the Lord Jesus Christ and not know Him. The believer knows Christ by divine revelation. That You're going to hear that a lot tonight. God divinely intervened and He revealed these things to us. A believer knows the grace of God by personal experience. Isn't that right? The religious simply give mental assent to facts about Him. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Samson's wife wept. She lay sore upon Him. Now, in most cases, 
If a man's wife cries long enough, he'll give her what she wants and desires. And he does so because he loves her. But she calls into question Samson's love. She accuses him of hating her. And even though Samson hadn't told his mother or his father, he now told this secret, this riddle to his bride, his wife, and she gave it to the men that threatened her. And she did so out of fear for her life. They had said, we're going to burn your father's house with you and him in it. In verse 18, and the men of the city said unto him, Samson, on the seventh day before the sun went down, what is sweeter than honey? And what is stronger than a lion? And he said unto them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you had not found out my riddle. You know, most everyone in religion says that they believe the salvation is of the Lord. You just ask them. You believe salvation is of the Lord? Oh yeah, salvation is of the Lord. But they don't have any idea what the Lord did to accomplish that salvation. If they did, they wouldn't think that they must help the Lord in the accomplishment of it. <laughs> if the Lord only made salvation possible, which is what many think, then He might need some help. But God made salvation certain for some and He doesn't require any help from them at all. And I'm so thankful because what help can I provide? If it has to be perfect to be accepted and I can provide no perfection, then what can I do? And if that was true, salvation would not be of the Lord. Christ doesn't love everyone. Some love Him because He first loved them. Jesus Christ didn't die for everyone. He died for some and they are most certainly saved. Man's salvation doesn't become certain when they decide to let God save them. They're saved for certain because God saves them. And that's what the Scriptures teach. The salvation of God's people was certain from the foundation of the world Paul said before we had done any good or evil that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, not of believing, not of deciding, not by anything that we ourselves has done, not by our will, but of him that calleth. That means salvations of the Lord. Lots, lock, stock, and barrel from first to last, beginning to end. Now, they gave the answer to Samson's riddle. What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? But they didn't know what it meant. They didn't. They didn't know what Samson had done. They didn't see Samson defeat the lion. Men don't know that Christ defeated Satan. Religion still gives way too much credit to the devil. Just listen to him talk. They didn't know what had transpired to bring about the sweetness of this honey. All they had was an answer. And there are many today, dear friends, that have an answer concerning everything in the Scriptures, but they don't know how salvation was accomplished. I heard a man recently say, I believe in Jesus. And then he went on to attempt to strip the Lord of His glory by making salvation all about something that He had done. 
Men say they believe. They say that they decide. They claim to exercise their will. They brag on doing many wonderful works. Well, then how can they say that salvation's of the Lord when they really believe that salvation is all about what they themselves have done? Men today still threaten death by fire. Unless you exercise your will, unless you make a decision, unless you make Jesus Lord, unless you give God your heart, unless you let God have His way and His will in your life, well, you're going to perish in the fire of hell. You may not have to turn the page, but look over at uh, chapter 15. Our Lord Jesus said in three of the four Gospels, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And that's what we have here. Look at verse 1. I want to read these first six verses. But it came to pass within a while after in the time of wheat harvest that Samson visited his wife with a kid. And he said... I will go into my wife into the chamber, but her father would not suffer him to go in. And her father said, I verily thought that thou utterly hated her. Therefore, I gave her to thy companion. Is not her younger sister fairer than she? Take her, I pray thee, instead of her. And Samson said concerning them, now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. And Samson went and he caught 300 foxes. Can you imagine how difficult that was? It'd be hard to catch one, wouldn't it? He caught 300. And he took firebrands and he turned those foxes tail to tail. And he put a firebrand in the midst between two tails. And when he had set the brands on fire, he let them, the foxes, go into the standing corn of the Philistines and burn up both the, the shocks and also the standing corn with the vineyards and olives. Then the Philistines said, who had done this? And they answered, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he had taken his wife and given her to his companion. And look at this. And the Philistines came up and burnt her and her father with fire. Men and women try to save their lives from the fire of judgment only to lose it that very way. Like this woman, Samson's wife, she tried to escape judgment by fire only to wind up suffering the very judgment that she tried to escape. Religious men and women think that they have the answer, but they don't know. We're not dealing with open and obvious infidels. We're dealing with men and women who claim to know the scriptures, who quote the scriptures, uh, memorize them, know them, uh, can recite them better than we can. They claim to know the scriptures, believe the truth, and, they, and to love Christ. This woman claimed to love Samson, and it's nothing but false religion. To those who are not given saving grace and faith, the gospel is wrapped in a riddle and hidden in a mystery. You cannot easily 
understand the answer. And this is why, for the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. I've heard people say things like, I wish I could figure God out. Well, you can't. And you don't need a God you can figure out. You need God. Who hath known the mind of the Lord? We read that. Who's been his counselor? Who's been his teacher? Who, who first gave him anything? For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's Alpha and Omega. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. The mystery of God has to be revealed to us. Let me read a verse out of, a couple of verses out of Matthew 11. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me and my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father but the Son, and he whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. They're a mystery. They're a riddle. They're, they're, they, they, they have to be revealed. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. There's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And Samson's wife and the men of Timnath are pictures of false religion and false hope. How so? Samson's wife proves to be false because she's given to another. That's the destiny of a false church. She'll do whatever's necessary to save herself her motivation for existence is simply to continue existing. That's so easily seen by what so-called churches boast of today. They talk about their numbers. They claim acceptance on, based upon their personal righteousness. They profess to give all the glory to God, but everything they do is designed to exalt man. They seek to know the riddle only to avoid death. They thrive on emotion and tears to prove their sincerity. These are false wives at best. The men of Timnath seek to know the riddle. They do so for fear of loss. Well, I'm not, you're not going to strip me naked. You're not going to strip me of my righteousness, my righteous covering. They care about nothing but themselves. They're willing to kill Samson's wife to ensure that they don't lose their personal covering. I mean, the men love to win, but even more than that, men by nature hate to lose. And they gain the world and they build bigger barns and yet they lose their own souls. The clothing they received 
covered them, but it came not from the riches of Samson. <laughs> they were clothed with the garments of the slain enemies of God. You know the story. Samson went out and killed 30 Philistines to, to pay his debt. Men and women today aren't clothed with the righteousness of Christ, but with the filthy rags of leprous bandages. And that's all we have if we endeavor to offer God what we have. And the amazing thing is behind all of this was the purpose of God. God saw to it that Samson found occasion against the Philistines just as he said. These men knew the answer, but not the purpose behind it. They knew about the riddle, but knew not what it meant. And religion can tell you historical facts about the Lord Jesus. I know some historical facts about George Washington, but I didn't know George Washington. And I can tell you some true things about Elvis Presley, but I didn't know Elvis. These men knew the honey was sweet. These men knew that a lion was strong. But they didn't slay the lion or taste the honey. And they had no idea that the one who told them the riddle did so for their own ruin. Religion and those of it are ever learning, ever learning, never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And you can know some things about someone that you don't know but eternal life, life everlasting, is to know the only true God in Jesus Christ whom He sent. If you know God and His Christ, you know everything that you need to know. And this is the Apostle Paul's desire and the desire of every believer, that I may know Him, that I may know Christ. Friends, Jesus Christ is the sweetness and the strength of the gospel. And he's the mystery of the gospel. And he's got to be revealed to you. Those of you that know that are thankful for it. And you thank him and you praise him for revealing it to you.